0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of What's on the Pile. I'm your host, Nathan Besner, and joining me is Shane Lee. What's up? Jane Belcastro. Hi. Jenner. Happy October. Matt Wagner.
1: It's Wagner.
0: And Amelia. Say something, Mia.
2: Hello. There we go. She did (laughs) wave. (laughs) She
0: did wave. Yes, she did wave. Uh, We've got a full house tonight. Goodness, we're all here. Uh, we continue our Halloween tribute month with two of prol- prolific British horror studio Hammer's best, *Horror of Dracula*, starring Christopher Lee as Dracula and Peter Cushing as Dr. Van Helsing in a retelling of Bram Stoker's classic. Followed by *Brides of Dracula*, which sees Peter Cushing return as Van Helsing, only Dracula isn't actually in it this time around; it's some other guy. Uh, we're going to start with *Horror of Dracula*. Whose pile was this on?
1: Ah, uh, mine for one. My my actual. Knowledge of Hammer is surprisingly lacking. Uh, people who know me know I am a big fan of all things horror, but I have seen almost no Hammer horror.
3: Same. I have seen almost no Hammer horror. But Same I'm, not a, I'm not the big, uh, uh, I'm not into horror as much as most of these guys. So.
4: Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen a single uh, single Hammer film before this. And I've never seen Christopher Lee as Dracula before this either. Or Peter Cushing as Van Helsing, even though I know they've both done it quite a bit.
5: Dear Lord, I've been slacking with you people. <laughs> yes,
6: you have. Yeah,
0: yeah. Hammer's a, cla- a classic studio. They've done some amazing films that I I like very much, and obviously Jenner is uh, is quite well versed in their material. <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I knew of, I knew of Peter Cushing of so other than Star Wars, I knew of him from uh, the film from Dusk Till Dawn, where they're talking about making crosses using sticks, and then. The character Sex Machine, played by Tom Savini, says, oh yeah, Peter Cushing does that all the time. <laughs> that, that, was, that, that was what I knew about Peter Cushing, that he was some kind of vampire hunter who used sticks as cross... Well, he does it once in these two movies, but, you know, I, I, I'm sure he does it more in other movies, too. You,
5: you could actually argue that he did it in the second movie as well, but we'll, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll circle back to that.
4: <laughs> yeah,
1: my my familiarity with any of these largely goes back to Horror Express, in which... Um, Rasputin ends up worshiping a mummy in a box that is actually an alien from ancient times but that is a lengthy discussion for another time.
0: <laughs> uh this was these were both directed by uh, Terence Fisher. Uh kind of kind of Hammer's go-to guy,
5: right? Uh Hammer's number one man uh, certainly for the late 50s uh and most of the 60s although he, uh, his uh output uh, pretty much dropped down to just one film in the 70s. Uh, he had uh, gotten seriously messed up in an auto accident uh, not long after completing the 1969 Frankenstein must be destroyed. Uh, and So he backed off, although he did finally come back for, I guess, 1973's Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell, which ended up being his last movie, despite not actually passing away until 1980.
0: You know, <laughs> of all the Dracula films uh, that are out there, this is probably my favorite, and yet it deviates a lot from the source material in many ways. Yeah. I, I kind of consider this more of a remix than anything.
6: Yeah, I Jenner I, I, said I, I, that I was
0: there confused. is no...
3: Sorry, I think Jenner was saying that there is no uh, actual source material... Uh, film based on the actual source material.
4: Okay. Yeah, no... Oh, go ahead, Shay. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, I was confused, because I... It's been a while, but I thought you know I thought Jonathan Harker was sort of the hero. I mean Van Helsing too, but then he just sort of dies, and uh, and then like this, yeah. it was just I remember his wife Mina was a big part, and it's somebody she has a different name, but there's a different Mina. Anyways, yeah, it, it like Nate said, it, it's sort of a remix of all the characters, and but still, and, sort of and s- the places, yeah,
1: because I I believe I'm not sure we ever actually get back to London in uh, these films. Though it's kind of hard to tell at times.
5: Now, uh, Hammer, uh, particularly around this period, had a tendency to kind of economize by collapsing the space in which things occurred. So basically, in this case, uh, you're, instead of going from Transylvania to London, you're going from some place in Western Austria to some place in Eastern Germany.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which honestly makes a hell of a lot more sense in the long run.
3: It does. (laughs) It's hard I mean, for vampires to travel, you know? They have to take their, their coffin filled with their homeland dirt and, you know, and avoid sunlight. So, yeah, that's about right. Four-hour,
5: you know, saves the possibility, hour drive. Saves the possibility of, uh, of, you know, sinking into the ocean on a boat uh, <laughs> or, uh, you know, just – or having to deal with the London real estate scene. <laughs> which, which even that, in the, which that... even in the late eighteen hundreds was its own particular flavor of nightmare.
1: And let's face it the the transition of it being a real estate deal to being a librarian to his vast uh, collection of books also makes a lot more sense. Uh, considering that having Dracula interested in real estate is a bit along the lines of having Star Wars interested in trade disputes. <laughs> <laughs>
5: No, as, uh, to, go, to circle back to what Jane had mentioned earlier, I, I actually am in a relative minority, as I understand it, in that I really love the novel Dracula itself, not just the adaptations of it. Uh, that said, the closest it's ever actually had to an accurate adaptation was the 1977 version uh, from the BBC with Louis Jourdain. and even that dropped one of the suitors. Uh, aside from that, there was uh, Jess Franco's Count Dracula, also with uh, Christopher Lee in 1969, although that was hobbled a little bit by being done on a very low budget and being direct- directed by Jess Franco <laughs> in his uh, not-as-usual slapdash fashion, but maybe a slightly different slapdash fashion from his usual. But still uh, slapdash. <laughs> <laughs> Franco is another conversation in his own
0: right. Uh, For me, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Francis Ford Coppola one, is
5: close enough. Mm. Well, I was going to say a funny thing about Bram Stoker's Dracula is there is a fan edit out there that simply extracts the love story from the thing. And what is left is actually a remarkably accurate, if extremely breathless, uh, adaptation of the source material. So. With that caveat, that may actually be the most accurate. It just you know manages to condense the movie down to about an hour and forty five minutes, so there's not a lot of time to spare in there. Yeah, but they do have. Uh, I believe they have all the suitors. Uh, yes, and... only all, only adaptation that has ever had all three of Lucy's suitors, and they're great. I, I loved all
0: those characters. <laughs> uh, I kind of I kind of missed some of that in uh, Horror of Dracula, but um. Yeah, uh, like uh, taking Arthur. Arthur Homewood is now uh, her brother, or Mina, Mina or is Mina's Lucy's brother? Bro- is Mina's brother?
4: No, no, Mina's hmm. husband no, is Arthur. Husband, husband, yeah. Oh, mm. right, husband. right. Yeah. In the book, right, so confusing. Mina's Mi- Mina's brother. Oh, wait, Lucy's shoot, Lucy's. I, I don't remember Lucy's brother, uh, but he.
0: Mar- but Arthur right. Homewood is the one that she that Lucy marries in the book. It, it's
5: all a little turned or uh, yeah as you put it remixed. Yeah. Uh, but of course uh, but of course we get Arthur Holmwood in an unusually prominent role in any case and in this case uh played uh by uh, the uh, uh the always watchable Michael Goff, uh, best known to our generation as Alfred uh from the 80s and 90s Batman movies. <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah.
5: Although he 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 played a myriad of roles for Hammer around this time as well. He was actually the villain in uh, several things uh, both for Hammond, Hammer, uh, most particularly, I'm thinking of uh, Terence Fisher's uh, The Phantom of the Opera from 1962, uh, but uh, also a lot of uh, British films. He was more often a villain than a hero in uh, British horror movies, particularly in the 60s and 70s. Uh, I think probably most prominently in uh, uh, Herman Cohen's Horrors of the Black Museum uh where he was an evil hypnotist uh <laughs> obsessed with torture uh he actually had a lot of later movies where he was obsessed with torture but in this one he's actually you know at that point a relatively rare turn as a good guy uh amelia this is is this your first dracula film or did you see
0: the original dracula
2: i think i saw the original you showed me you showed me a dracula movie before i watched this one
5: Was it in in color or black and white?
2: I don't remember.
0: I think I showed her uh, the Bella Lugosi. I'm pretty sure I did.
1: Ah. My usual test for that is to ask if there were armadillos in Transylvania, but... (laughs) (laughs) uh,
3: I don't even know what that means, but it's ridiculous. I love it. In one of the
1: scenes, apparently, to substitute for giant rats, they just put armadillos all over the coffins in the scene, and people who... These days, know what an armadillo is, are very puzzled.
0: <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, it is yeah. puzzling. <laughs> well, I
3: always uh, thought that was part of the charm. Are they roaches? Are they rats? I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, speaking to uh, very briefly to, to things that we also missed, I think the one thing I missed the most from this version was the wreck of the Demeter, which was my single favorite part of the novel. But it uh, was entirely excluded by, you know, not having to go to London. So, the, the wreck of the, the ship carrying Dracula to his new home, uh, is, which in the novel is actually report, is included in a weather report, um, is entirely excluded from this version of the text.
5: Well, uh, Hammer, Hammer never got around to, Hammer usually didn't have shipboard budgets, I'll put it that way. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they, they tended to work in their, uh, in, in their set studios and did not have a lot of room uh, for location shooting or the patience for it most of the time. Well, that being
3: said, all of the sets in both of the movies that we watch are fantastic. I want all of that furniture
5: (laughs) 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 to She kept I, I do have a... over the furniture as we were watching both. Yeah, of the I didn't much care for
3: the movie, but oh my god, <laughs> the furniture!
5: Yeah, if there yeah, is if there is anything good. to watch these films for,
1: it is the marvelous set design <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah. set dressing, costume, and and all
3: of the prop work, costumes and, and makeup too, especially in the next the bride that we will talk about later. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think my favorite what? bit of costuming is uh, Van Helsing's jacket. That uh, carries over in multiple
5: films. His fur-lined collar jacket, I love <laughs> the that. Coat, thing. The the coats in horror of Dracula are really, really epic. They seem to be both comfortable and supremely functional, and they just, they just look very deeply, deeply warm. Uh, <laughs> no, the the, the costuming uh, deserves it's a, Absolutely deserves a special shout out. There, are, I mean, there are lots of extraordinary things about this movie, most particularly for its time. There are aspects of it that uh, Jane particularly found uh, to be rather dated and, uh, or, or <laughs> cr- creaky, shall we say creaky in terms of their execution, but it, it, can't be, uh, it, it can't really be overstated what a revelation both this and its almost immediate predecessor, The Curse of Frankenstein, uh, which was Hammer's first color movie. Uh, Uh, were, this was the first Dracula movie in color. As far as I know, in fact, this was the first vampire movie in color. This was the first movie with a vampire with, you know, pointy fangs. Uh, This uh, was, for its time, incredibly sexy and incredibly gory and really, really exciting.
3: Really?
5: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I know, it sounds terrible.
3: I feel like such a pleep because I'm like... Everybody, all my friends are like, Hammer is the best. And you need to see this every October. And and I'm like, I haven't really watched any of them. And I'm like, kind of excited to go into it. And I am highly disappointed. The heroines are terrible. Uh, there aren't any heroines. There are no heroines. No. They're just victims. And <laughs> they're, even Mina was just not that great. Um, you know, all the men are kind of able to withstand anything that, that uh, Christopher Lee has to Dish out, but none of
0: the women. No, no, no. my My, uh, my mom actually every every time I watch a Hammer film, she remembers. She's like, eh, d- "Is the woman going to lean back and expose her bare neck for the vampire yeah. in a very yeah. sultry way?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I absolutely. To re- that's
3: how I felt. Is, this,
4: is it just me? I seem to remember Mina being kind of a badass in the book, and then, yeah. and then when I saw the first version, I saw was Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, where she's just like. I guess, in love with him or something, which is really strange. But, uh, it's, it's strange that they couldn't carry that over, because I, it's been a long time, like I said, but I, I seem to remember her character very vividly as being, you know, pretty tough and having a lot of her own agency.
5: You know, both... I... both... Both Mina and Lucy actually were a lot steelier in the novel, which is one of those things where, it's, going back to my earlier thought, it's like, it's a wonderful novel, I I like it tremendously, it has a, you know, a -a thrill-a-minute, penny-dreadful quality to it. I wish someone would actually film it one of these days. (laughs) But uh, you were saying, Matt.
1: Oh, I was just saying, I mean, I think, um, I think, Mina and Lucy have been revised a bit in everyone's memory. They may have been steely for the age, but um, today's characters that want, you know, strong female leads and things like that, I don't think would find a great deal of that in the original text.
4: Okay, that's fair. I'm
3: not necessarily worried about strong female leads, just natural and somewhat capable and somewhat concerned for their own uh, preservation -preservation self-preservation If i
1: remember correctly i think most of mina's strength in the novel was just in resisting um dracula's dracula enough that they can use her to track him but yeah it's been a while since i've read the
5: novel she was pretty
0: pivotal in setting the trap for dracula at the end
5: Mm -hmm.
3: yeah i haven't read it (laughs) <laughs> i mean that's, sim- that's kind of shocking but i haven't
5: similarly al- almost no adaptation that i know of has really given full shrift to the uh to the real tragedy of the lucy character which is her you know toward the end realizing uh what was uh what was going on and uh essentially begging uh, professor van helsing and company uh to well handle it when it needs handling uh Although, interestingly, a recent uh, film that turned up at um, Walmart uh, on huh. uh, for, for $10 in the new release section called Bram Stoker's Van Helsing huh. uh, mm. is notable as the only adaptation of Dracula that I've ever seen, or more precisely of a part of Dracula, that does not actually have Dracula in it. It is a film that is singularly focused on the sort of first and second act tragedy of Lucy from the novel. And so, despite having a budget of about $750, it's actually a pretty nifty movie, and I I, I, I kind of think it's worth a watch in its own right.
6: Hmm.
0: Interesting. I'll, I'll have to track that down.
1: I saw it on the shelf, but I didn't pick it up.
5: It's it's interesting. It it, it does something that uh, I would have liked to have seen done with a bigger budget and maybe at a much longer running time. But it approaches it, you know, pretty interestingly. I think it's certainly worth a look for, uh, well, for Stoker devotees in general. But uh, to go back to Horror of Dracula, A.K.A. Dracula. <laughs> um. Well, it, it, the original title w- uh, in uh, the British release was Dracula, which I can imagine was just that much more confusing, uh, given that. It, if you're seeing *Horror of Dracula*, it kind of sets you up for the way for an expectation that it's going to deviate somewhat from the source material. I mean, this is possibly just viewing the whole thing through, you know, sort of the the uh, the eyes of subsequent film history. But I mean, at the same time, there are many uh, extraordinary firsts in this, as much as anything else. I've already mentioned several of them. It was kind of the first attempt of any vampire movie to take sort of a pseudoscientific approach. Uh, the idea that the vampire didn't transform into mist or bats or what have you, which, of course, they ended up completely flogging out the window for the next movie. Uh, but it was an unusual approach at that time, although it did lead to, even as Jane uh, did, I, I think I'll agree with, uh, uh, observe, two and a half minutes of a blood transfusion.
6: <laughs> yeah. Um,
3: Yawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but also... Do you think that... Oh, do you oh, think
1: that might have been a, a carryover? I believe this one actually followed their successful um, start of the Frankenstein franchise, so do you think that made them lean more into the science aspect of it?
5: I think that was the idea, although they kind of got over that relatively quickly, as especially as the uh, uh, the Frankenstein franchise deviated off in a very different direction. And uh, I think as we have observed from history, the Fisher was you know, doing good work uh, when he, uh, uh, for the three Dracula movies that he made for Hammer, the Frankenstein series was his passion. He directed all but two of those, and one of those is uh, basically an unsuccessful reboot, and the other one was a universal pastiche uh, done by mm-hmm. Hammer's second man, Freddie Francis, uh, only because uh, Fisher was working on The Phantom of the Opera at the time. Um, that was the series that, uh, that, that, uh, that Fisher really loved, that he really threw his heart into. Uh, the Dracula movies have a much more sort of programmatic quality to them. They do not differ from one another as radically as the Frankenstein movies do. Um, at least until you get to 1972, which is kind of its whole other kettle of fish. <laughs> or Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, d- <laughs> ditto. <laughs> That's that said, I actually have to agree with uh, I, I have to agree with one, uh, Jane in one regard uh this is not anywhere near my favorite uh Hammer movie this isn't actually even my favorite Hammer Dracula movie uh Christopher Lee's uh I mean Christopher Lee brought to the role a it kind of leaned into the exotic seductiveness in a way that Lugosi hinted at but uh didn't uh, you know the standards of the time didn't really allow them to lean into uh but Lee's performance is yeah, uh, great. Given that he only has lines in the first act of the uh, uh, of the movie,
3: right? Uh, that was a, yeah. that was a surprise to me. How little he was actually in the movie.
5: Yeah, yeah. But he does kind of dominate over it. So that's that's an iconic performance right there. Uh, Cushing approaching Van Helsing as a man of action was something that uh, had not been done before, obviously, and has relatively rarely been done since.
1: Yeah, it uh, it it is. I don't want to say laughable, because that's, that's fairly unkind, and knowing both of these gentlemen's history, it is entirely realistic, but as an American audience, I don't think we're quite used to the idea of an action scene being two kind of spindly British men flailing at each other. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> knowing that it. they are they were both genuine secret agents at one time. Actually, I believe Cushing was also in the in the service. Cushing was in yeah. the
5: service, but he was not actually the, the basis for James Bond. Christopher no. Lee was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Leave, leaving that bit aside uh, for the moment. It's an, it's an interesting approach and, uh, and uh, even then, Cushing's stunt work is pretty impressive for its period. It was uh, the, far
3: more impressive in the second movie. Though. It was far
5: more yeah. impressive. It, it, was, uh, it was really impressive in possibly my favorite of, Christop- of uh, Peter Cushing's uh, performance as, uh, as uh, Van Helsing. Wait for it, Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Vampires, not least because of that time where he actually fell into a bonfire. Uh, yeah. What? Christopher Peter Cushing could take a hit. Peter Cushing yeah. could take a fall. Yeah. Uh, there, there is a scene
1: in there is a scene in Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires where you're watching him, and it is very clear that he took a step wrong and toppled sideways into a bonfire. At which point you go, "Oh God!"
5: Yeah. Because he was getting a little bit frail by then. Um, uh, That said, really unpopular opinion. Outside of just Franco's Count Dracula, my favorite performance by Christopher Lee as Dracula? The Satanic Rites of Dracula. Thought so. The 1973 one where he was basically a Bond villain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But one of the interesting things about the movies as well is the way that episodes from, uh, from Stoker's novel that didn't end up in the 58 film keep turning up in the later movies. Uh, the bit where Dracula slashes his chest and ha- has uh, a uh, uh, the blood baptism scene. The bit, the bit where Dracula slashes his chest and has his female victim drink from it is in Dracula, Prince of Darkness. The line of my revenge has spread over centuries and has just begun, which is not in any other adaptation of Dracula, is in The Satanic Rites of Dracula. It's one of the last things that he says before his untimely, well, is actually by that point quite timely. Timely. (laughs) It was was set contemporary in 1973, Uh, Demise. Uh, But different episodes from the novel keep turning up uh, uh, here and there. So they're almost a serial adaptation, uh, or a series of variations on a theme, uh, to borrow a sort of a more musical reference there. But that said, Horror of Dracula, I I like it tremendously. I respect it beyond tremendously for its role in the history of uh, horror cinema in general. It isn't my favorite of these movies. I love it. It is mine. I I want to
3: know what Shane has to say about this because you, like me, haven't seen a lot of a lot of Hammer movies. How are you feeling?
4: I mean, one thing I felt really was this felt like the most Accurate adaptation of the book, I've only seen a handful of them. I mean, even though they mixed up a lot of the characters and stuff it it seemed to follow the general story of the novel, which I really liked uh, back when I read it. It seemed to follow it pretty well. I mean, I understand it hasn't aged super well. I mean neither is the book, you know if you I'm sure there's stuff in the book that hasn't aged super well, but uh it it, it feels like a pretty pretty good adaptation and um I mean I don't love Vampires or Dracula. I, I'm just not a fan of the genre. Not because I'm afraid of them. I just never really loved them that much. But for a uh, a movie about the source material or or based on the source material, I I think it's I think it's not bad.
5: Actually, I suppose that might be a legit point uh, in, in 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 your case as well, Jane. You're much more of a werewolf fan than a vampire fan.
3: Well, no, not entirely. I mean, you know, I. You grow up goth, what are you going to do? You're going to like read every vampire novel you can. Except, oddly enough, I never got around to Dracula. But, um, yeah, no, I I have always really liked vampire stuff. But you're right, werewolves for the win these days, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I've
0: always had a very deep connection with Dracula because it was the first real book that I ever read when I was a kid. And I was so proud of myself because it's a pretty lengthy book. And it gets
5: dense at some points, but yeah, uh, we've we've been kind of steam. I've been kind of steamrolling over the Besners here. Uh, uh, you say <laughs> yeah. this is your favorite uh, of uh, of uh, the Hammer Draculas, or indeed one of the Hammer films period. One of my favorite uh, Draculas in in general. I just I really
0: love how quick the film is. I, I liked how it gets in and gets out. It tells the story. It's uh, to to use one of your terms. It's it's crackerjack. It
5: gets in. It gets out. And, he loves uh, to be quoted. <laughs> yes. yes <laughs> like all en- like all English majors, it is my ambition to be a meme that is returned to me.
6: <laughs>
5: <laughs> no, I, I love that. Uh it's more like to me, it's even though it does
0: have slow moments, uh, there's some real action set pieces to it. Uh when Dracula is eventually killed at the end, uh when Peter Cushing runs up the table and jumps onto the curtain and tears it down. I love that shot. I that, love that see, whole moment. That-
5: that, that scene is, good. is, is really great. Mm-hmm.
3: It really that
1: is may good. Actually, That may actually be one of the better deaths of Dracula on film. I, the end of the novel has always been a little awkwardly placed, and uh, the ways in which various films have tried to get to a better ending is usually the way you can, you can judge uh, a lot of the Dracula movies, but this one is pretty spectacularly well done.
4: Is it this one or the other or brides? I can't remember which one. Which is the one where Cushing just thrusts the crucifix into the camera at a crucial moment? Is it this one? That's this one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was that. That, w- that was, was actually awesome
5: an improv on set as well. You know, taking the two candlesticks and forming them into the cross. The uh, yeah, no, uh, uh, that uh, one of the great uh, vampire movie finales. Uh, however, one might might feel about the movie leading up to it.
0: Now, Amelia, you have some thoughts on uh, the death of Dracula, don't you? When he actually dies. Tell us about that.
2: Um, to make it short, when he dies and turns into dust, his when, when he just, like, is dust, he kind of looks like a derpy gargoyle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there. I had not thought of it that
3: way, but I... See it now. I absolutely see
0: it. Yeah, he has the beady little eyes and everything. It's fair. Yeah. Very... It's. I was. A... No good. Go no, I, I had nothing else to say on it.
1: <laughs> uh, I was a little surprised that that final shot that strikes me as a very iconic moment, where all of the the dust blows away and just leaves his signet ring behind. I don't remember the the uh, camera framing the ring before then at any point. And from the Lugosi version, the ring has at least some impact and some, like, iconography. So I was a little surprised that uh, that didn't get, not exactly lampshaded, but uh, some reference to the ring before that final scene.
3: Maybe it was an homage to the Lugosi movie.
5: Maybe. At the same time, the ring itself kept turning up through the later Draculas and led uh, lent itself to a wonderful moment of uh, finality Uh, at the end of The Satanic Rites of Dracula, which I do consider to be a really underrated movie, uh, where uh, ultimately, you know, a century later, it is um, Peter Cushing's Van Helsing, in this case a descendant of the original Van Helsing, who finally picks up the ring at the end of the picture. Which would have been a a wonderful ending of, uh, of the series, even if that particular movie was not particularly well regarded. Uh, but then, of course, they followed on immediately, going back earlier in period with Legends of the, Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. But Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires is its own distinct uh, and different flavor of wonderful.
1: Especially considering
5: which version you watch. Oh, yeah, no, the shortened version is incomprehensible. Uh, yes. The shortened version is a trailer for the longer version.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, does anybody have any final thoughts on Horror of Dracula before we uh, take our break?
1: Um, I, I've, I've got a few thoughts, just sort of in general, one of the reasons that I haven't seen a lot of Hammer is it's completely unfair, but I've always gotten the impression that I'd be kind of bored by most Hammer horror, um, which I think is, is an attitude that is out there, that, uh, unless you're really into vampires and really into the atmosphere and the spookiness, that you might be kind of bored by this, l- uh, kind of subdued 1950s 1960s horror and you could say that's fair but at the same time this strikes me as such a beautiful film that you're not watching it with the same intent that you come to a lot of the other horror films with um really this is like a great big luxurious painting of a film that you're watching and you're just sort of sitting and considering it if i if you were to take any frame from this film and set it in, like in a sequence of screensavers, I don't think I'd ever get any work done because I just watch <laughs> the screensavers go by. That's fair, but it's not like there's a whole bunch of plot going on at any point, and it's a story we already kind of know, except for the parts they change. So it's, I, I think, it really helps approaching Hammer horror. To know that that's the kind of thing you're getting into. You're getting into it for the set design. You're getting into it for the costuming, and the sort of languidly paced. I mean, in the entirety of the film, I think there's maybe three scenes that could be called action in the entire thing, and the rest is all talking or staring at one another.
3: Yep. So, <laughs> which is probably why it lost me. I mean, I, I don't know. I. I don't know. I I did love the sets. You're absolutely right. And if mm-hmm. I suppose if I had watched it after you said that, I mean if, if you had said something like that to me before I watched it, I think I probably would have, would have appreciated it more um to watch it as just well, you know, just little scenes, little um
1: Vignette. Yeah. I would I would have said <laughs> something, but I didn't come to that conclusion until after watching this movie. So.
3: <laughs>
5: That's all right.
1: <laughs> Mea culpa.
5: No, it, mm. it's you don't necessarily look to them to be scary. Although some of the later uh, Hammer movies were scare, uh, uh, did d- do maintain a certain genuine fright uh, value. Uh, it is kind of the exception rather than the rule at this point. You're pretty much going into it for the atmosphere. Uh, it is a very distinct at this point, very old fashioned uh, style of filmmaking, but uh, as goes the old saying, they don't make them like they used to. That said, we never actually got from Amelia. Did you enjoy the picture? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad. It's a classic. (laughs) To some. (laughs) some. (laughs) All right. Well, on that note,
0: why don't we go ahead and take our break? Uh, We will be right back. We're back. Uh, next up, we've got one of the sequels to Horror of Dracula, Brides of Dracula, which doesn't actually contain Dracula himself, but rather has a Dracula-adjacent Baron as the main antagonist. Uh, this was on my pile. Uh, who else hadn't seen
5: this? I would not I had... seen it. I had not seen me it. Either.
0: So, yeah, so, me either. So, either. Like was Jenner.
5: The, <laughs> I was the only one who had seen this movie. This was the third bootleg VHS I ever bought. <laughs> <laughs> huh. It's derived from a late-night TV broadcast. It was uh, from Moonlight Cinema, who you may or may not remember from the, uh, from the glory days of VHS bootlegs uh, back at DragonCon way back in the day. Uh, so, uh, uh, that might be before my time. Yeah, no, this, uh, w- uh, this was one of the things that I acquired in my first year of video collecting, so sometime in 1992, I think. Oh, way before <laughs> my time. All right, I was, I was still <laughs> a child.
3: Do you feel old yet? A little
5: bit. Felt felt old when I showed up. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Feel
0: old when I stand up. Feel old when I wake up in the morning. Feel old when I go
5: to bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, feel, hey, I
6: already finished college
3: when it, when he bought that tape. So wow, I would, feel
5: old yeah. when I go to work and have to explain what a laserdisc was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because of course you're going to explain what a laser disc was. <laughs> yeah, okay. You want bad? I have to explain what film is to some of these kids. Anyway, carry oh, on. <laughs> oh, that, the that, comic that book hurts. store near
1: the comic book store near my house uh, sells bookmarks made of old film reels and on the little packaging with the bookmark, it explains what film is.
3: No. Wow. Yeah, it says,
1: this was actually used to project in a movie theater. I want one of those. Uh, That sounds
5: awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is, and some of them are pretty good films. I'm I'm uh, always worried that they're chopping up actual film prints to make bookmarks. Well, they might be,
3: but I have a feeling they could be like you know have the vinegar syndrome or any of the things that you hate, uh, you know, or they could be scratched up or right. torn up no, or the, melted. These were
1: from films that have lots and lots of prints left. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Wizard of Oz. Yeah.
5: They. Like. I know they were probably from bandsaw prints, which was a uh, a cheap way of disposing of a print that you no longer had the rights to show back in the day. Hmm. <laughs> Literally take a bandsaw to it. Anyways, we digress. Brides of Dracula. Yes, yes, Brides of Far Dracula. Far better
3: than Horror of Dracula. <laughs> um just really liked it. Uh quite a lot. So I, I know that I might be in the minority, but yeah, I really liked it. No, I, I liked it too.
0: I had a good time with it. It wasn't it had a few moments that I thought were questionable here and there, but we'll get to those later. Um this was also directed by Terrence Fisher. Um Oh, I want to say first and foremost, Baroness Meinster,
5: she was awesome. Oh yes. Yes. yeah, And, and Gre- Greta, and, and oh Greta. my God, Greta, yeah. Greta, Gre- Greta <laughs> is one of the all-time great Renfields. Yeah. yeah. You know, Fr- Frida, Absolutely. Frida Jackson as uh, one of the uh, one of the perennial mid-century uh, British that ladies. Uh, in this case, is wonderfully maniacal.
3: I mean, it's not like she ate a, a cockroach like Tom Waits, but who cares? She was fantastic.
0: <laughs> I think the only character that I didn't particularly care for was the kind of the, the lead, Marianne Danielle. Um, I found Although... her. What? Go, go go ahead. I found her uninteresting and, and uh, kind of stupid.
3: Well, well yes, I... I'm going to agree with that. But she was pretty. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh true. my gosh, I, she had true.
3: just a glow. I mean, she was really beautiful,
0: very attractive. Honestly,
1: the the Frenchness of her, I took as a sort of artificial exoticism for a an English crowd. It was very obvious that she was very French and there to be uh, much of the the eye candy for a British audience. So yeah, I I found her a little bit um, not tiresome, but. Uh, predictable as sort of an insert character there but yeah, take, uh, take she was off, still okay taking oh, yeah.
3: off her rosary at just the worst <laughs> time ever come i mean, on. I mean <laughs> come
4: amelia, on. amelia you were smiling and nodding when when they were talking about that character what was your take on her I'm assuming you didn't uh, like her either
2: i mean like i always thought if like i was locked up i wouldn't let him free because he's locked up for a reason she unlocked the baroness for no reason Hundred percent
3: right. I agree yeah. totally.
1: Yeah, she I, was pretty easily persuaded there.
3: She was a beautiful plot device. That's it. <laughs> I, mean, arguable, I mean arguably.
5: I mean, arguably, and credit where credit is due, so was the Baron. But
6: mm. Uh, mm. Yeah. uh Yeah, he was alright. Uh, yeah. 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 He yeah. does anyway.
0: this he did this thing when he was biting one of his brides where he kind of sticks his tongue out <laughs> as he's starting to bite.
4: And it was yeah. so gross. It I really uh, was. Yeah. I noticed is, that, too. Is this the movie where vampires became sexy? Is that why we have, like, True Blood and Twilight and all that stuff? Or, was well, there, or were well, they no, sexy before this? <laughs> what, interview what, with a vampire. Well, no, that, that's, yeah, yeah. That, that's, the,
5: that's the crazy thing. Horror of Dracula is the movie where vampires became sexy. Yeah, this, is, this is the movie where sexy vampires kind of came into their own uh, as, uh, as a going concern, so to speak. Uh, it's also one of those ones where it it, become, it starts to become really impossible to speak of the Hammer movies just in general in kind of non-serial terms. Uh, I mean, by this time, uh, Frankenstein had or, or, uh, The Curse of Frankenstein had already gotten one sequel. The Curse of Frankenstein had already gotten one sequel. In 1958, uh, uh, Hammer had already d- uh, undertaken The Mummy, and they were kind of working through the classic uh, universal list, but they started you know, going off in... These wildly different directions with uh, with some of the later sequels. So it, it's at this point where it becomes impossible to think of uh, of uh, the Hammer movies as non uh, as anything other than sort of franchises. You know, point A to point uh, B. That said, for a sequel, um, I don't know. I I I, I think this is uh, this is a pretty awesome movie. I think all told, ob- relatively objectively speaking. I actually think it's a better movie uh, than *Horror of Dracula*. I think it may—I think it's actually the best of the uh, of the Hammer Dracula movies, even if it doesn't actually have Dracula in it. Uh, you it's, know, the return—the return of Peter Cushing, uh, Doctor, you know, philosopher, you know, theologian, man of action. Bad. Um, <laughs>
6: yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, go ahead. It's, <laughs> it's
0: certainly not as dry as *Horror of Dracula*. It doesn't have any yeah. really lingering moments that that drag on. Um, it, it gets in there. It, it really sticks with the, uh, with the plot and moves along nicely at a brisk pace. Well, it also has some surprises in there, too. I
1: mean, it helps that we're not going straight off of the Dracula script, so we don't have a... We know generally that good will triumph in the end, but beyond that, the individual points of the story are, go- are a bit more of a mystery, up until and including the fact that Peter Cushing gets bit which yeah. I did not yeah. see yeah. coming.
4: And the way he takes care of that. I didn't know that worked. <laughs> know <laughs> I'm not entirely
5: sure how that worked. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's this is the <laughs> only time it ever worked.
6: <laughs> uh, I think
5: there might be other examples. Uh, oddly enough, in, if I recall correctly, Dracula 2, uh, the Dimension sequel to uh, 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 Dracula 2000, uh, I believe Jason Scott Lee's character in that uh, pulled off basically the same trick, but... By that time, it was you know the mid aughts. It was probably done almost as an homage to this, in any case. Yeah, uh, but it, it it has some, I think, distinct merits over its predecessor as well, just from a technical standpoint. The photography is a lot darker, but it's also a lot moodier, which goes a long way towards sort of enhancing the atmosphere of the picture. As iconic as James Bernard's score for Horror of Dracula is, you know, with that you know baleful three note dracula leitmotif <laughs> because if you didn't think that was what he was doing that was what he was doing um that reoccurred in of course in all of the later christopher lee dracula's uh i think malcolm williamson's uh score for this is one of the lovelier ones in any of the hammer vampire movies uh Bernard himself uh, uh uh just in terms of sheer musical pleasure i think really only approached it with the score for taste the blood of dracula uh which is an okay movie with a really really gorgeous score <laughs> one of one of the things that i kind of dinged in my head
0: of uh, this movie was the uh the bats And I was really sad to learn that they actually had a really awesome bat prop, like a really realistic one, that was lost like a day before filming.
5: Oh. And so they just
0: whipped up this piece
5: of shit. And uh, (laughs) sorry, sorry, Amelia. For for what it's worth, the bats are even worse in *Scars of Dracula*. Oh.
3: I didn't really hate those bats. I was like, well, okay, they're you know it but it does hurt my heart that they had something
5: better. Yeah it's yeah. one of those things that demands doesn't uh, d- doesn't uh, doesn't uh, doesn't uh, ask or beg but demands Suspension of disbelief. I mean, well, you, you know,
3: every time we were while we were watching, uh, we watch uh, what we do in the shadows every week. Yeah. So every time bat. a bat appeared on the screen, we go
6: bat, bat. <laughs>
4: <laughs> do you think Velocipaster had a better dinosaur and they lost it the week before? No, <laughs> the one they used? no
5: I do not. <laughs> a better, a better, a better dinosaur would have weakened that movie. It would have. <laughs>
3: it would have.
0: Amelia loved that dinosaur.
5: Oh, I, I, I loved that too. dinosaur. That I dinosaur that was dinosaur. great. It was so janky. <laughs> <laughs> it was just perfect. <laughs> no, but this is a movie that, uh, that uh, plays itself very seriously. But at the same time, I find it interesting the degree to which it, it follows uh, very much the, sort of the same structure of uh, horror of Dracula. I mean, amongst other things, including sort of the first act where our eventual protagonist, you know, Dr. Van Helsing, is not really present, uh, just leading itself in, uh, to sort of very different results. Uh, again, going back to my, my earlier suggestion of variations on a theme being particularly a thing in uh, the Hammer Dracula movies.
4: Yeah, there's almost, there's pretty much no overt vampire stuff for like almost a third of the film. I pretty much, I mean, what I found interesting was, again, not knowing what other people said, not knowing where this was going to go. You know, this is not following a blueprint, not, not an adaptation of a existing novel, so... That was kind of cool. I mean, obviously, the Baron was a vampire, but, uh, you know, until they show his dirt, co- the dirt in his coffin, there's no real, like, like vampire-vampire stuff in this movie for a, quite a bit.
5: Yeah, and at the same time, I don't think I can think of another one of the Hammer, uh, certainly a, another one of the Hammer Dracula movies, that is so generous to its uh, fairly expansive ensemble of supporting characters. As you say, the Baroness Meinster, Martita Hunt... Uh, makes an extraordinary impression with relatively little screen time, and has the interesting distinction of being mo- motion picture history's first um, regretful vampire—the first uh, va- vampire that wants her affairs handled correctly. Louie <laughs> yeah, I wanted her lipstick fixed. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to another thing that Jane and I <laughs> were talking about 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 how HD transfers, as wonderful as they are, are showing us lots of stuff in old movies that we were never, ever supposed to be able to make out clearly. <laughs> so kind of to that
1: point, what were y'all's opinions of the vampire teeth in the film? Because in in my opinion, they seemed a little bit chunkier than I would the have liked.
6: Truth,
3: but they did have the they did have the right amount of shiny wetness
6: that yes, i thought did. was just fine that.
3: that i was okay with and, and all, i'm gonna say when i watched lost boys i was kind of like oh i don't like where those are placed but they make more sense so i don't know well the
1: lost boys ones were sort of rat-like as i recall it's
5: been a well, while
3: they before. were like the uh they, they were, so were in the front they, they were, were in the second the incisors yeah. yeah
5: yeah the sort of nosferatu fangs um, yeah or at least pretty close no, I, well, I, I, I like the fangs in this, and at this point, uh, this being only the second movie, or check that, third uh, vampire movie, because uh, the spoof that Christopher Lee did almost immediately after doing Horror of Dracula, Uncle Was a Vampire, had some pretty janky fangs in its own right, but it did have fangs. Uh, I, I, I think they're, uh, uh, they're very good, and they definitely, they definitely play well with the brides themselves hmm. uh, when, when they do eventually turn up.
4: Yeah, I also thought it was. No, go ahead. ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to talk about something else.
0: Oh, I was just going to say I I was surprised that uh, for a movie called Brides of Dracula, there are very little brides.
4: Yeah, I was. I I kept asking myself, "Who there's?" I I can think of one bride that's happening, sort of, but who else are the brides? I love Gina
3: though. I just thought she was gorgeous. (laughs) Oh, I just, I don't. I mean, as a straight woman, you know, I, I. I would want to look like her. She was fantastic. She had the best fangs. And I don't know who that uh, peasant daughter was that was also a bride. But So there were two brides. There were two brides <laughs>
5: and one narrowly avoided being a bride.
3: Well, yeah. And then there was the mom of Dracula.
5: And, and,
1: and Peter Cushing, depending on how open-minded you are. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's true. He totally got penetrated there. But anyway...
4: <laughs> sorry, you know, when, he got sorry. Bitten, when he got bitten I was like oh is he going to become like the classic vampire who hunts other vampires
1: oh uh, my god so, it's but, pre-blade yeah, yeah, I know I it's blade you know, I, it's I didn't know what blade. movies are coming
4: up after this but, but then of course he, he fixes the problem I'm like aww I mean it was kind of cool how he <laughs> fixed it but at the same he time like, it would be cool if he was like yeah a vampire vampire hunter well, I can it's say cool it's though
3: cool. Is Chekhov's holy water
4: <laughs> oh yeah and
5: branding iron
3: <laughs> and branding iron <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, but as I say, so many other wonderful character bits in the ensemble, like uh, that uh, that uh, what was his name, Stedman, the stable guy, talking about the seasonal character of all of his brass sets.
6: I love uh, that. Or or
5: the or the other doctor who wants to take the spe- who wants to take a Van Helsing specialist fee, but is also doing that uh, sort of uh, uh, inhalation of myriad elixirs, including heavy uh, including a heavy dose of capsicum played by uh pl- played by Miles Mallison who was another one of uh, Hammer's regular guys and who played uh Jay Marks the Undertaker in Horror of Dracula lending itself again to the interesting sort of uh tendency of Hammer to kind of reuse a lot of their stock company in multiple films um uh, the uh, the yeah, fellow Yeah but at
1: the, at the same time his sort of comedy turn in the picture I don't think Quite landed as as well as they wanted it to, but maybe that was just sort of an an era aspect as well.
3: Maybe that, that toupee, that toupee, <laughs> that, come toupee on. that toupee, that was toupee, that was toupee, like in its own right. sucked up all the air in the room.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it has a bigger ensemble than one tends to expect from something like this. Um, <laughs> something I noticed in the
0: film, uh, and this this is true of a lot of vampire films, but this one in particular. Uh, really leans on the theme of manipulation, uh, whether mm. it's the baroness trying to bring a young ingenue to, to be eaten by her son, or it's uh, the baron himself with his own machinations
5: uh, in order to get out of his uh, his prison. Or um, or credit where credit is due, Van Helsing continually telling people to do things without ever telling them why, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> which is arguably a significant tactical error on his part, especially since he keeps showing up just a little bit late to the game.
3: <laughs> I kept questioning that too, and and what's more, like he would, uh, like he would catch Marianne when she fainted instead of going after the guy who was in the oh, oh, that would have I been mean,
0: hilarious she, if she he just let her drop
1: i would just let her drop
3: i mean i would have been like girl you weak and i would have been after, you know, gone after the vampire and then the whole thing she would have been over hit. like you know 20 minutes sooner
0: <laughs> i also liked uh, a lot of the uh i liked the mother-son dynamic between the baroness and the baron Mm-hmm. Um, I found that interesting and and something different from your average vampire film. You you don't see that kind of dynamic very often.
1: Were we supposed to take something edible from their relationship? Do you think
5: I'm gonna go with yes? Yeah, I think. Really? so. I, again, since they were generally sort of leaning into the uh, well, particularly if not exactly the more the more carnal aspects, uh, 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 overtly, then certainly sort of the more co- covertly carnal aspects of uh, vampire mythology in general. It's like I say, it, it, it's difficult to overstate, in this age that is long, long since, how sexy this was for the time.
1: Oh no, it was pretty clear how sexy this was uh, when the, the two brides finally showed up.
5: True, but, yeah. uh... <laughs> but
3: let me go back to that whole Oedipal thing. Okay, look. I am the mother of one son, and i Freaking love him. I would deny him nothing. I mean, like I would make sure that you know if he were a vampire, I'd totally be like finding girls for him. I'm just saying. (laughs) I, I, that's awful. I know, but you know, well, I mean, okay, he is autistic and he does require extra care, and I am there for it. You know, Uh, yeah. I mean, Uh, I mean,
1: everything you're saying makes logical sense, sort of
5: from a plot perspective. I just
3: don't feel like it's gross. Just well, saying.
5: that's I, that that's kind of not the very gross, permissive. That's um, not kind of not the gross edipal part. It was the bit I that guess. before he was a vampire, she was actively encouraging him uh, and his wicked friends doing their wicked business.
3: No, she was not actively encouraging. The She's, way I saw she it, she said she said, outright. said, she stated she said outright. I I thought she said that she turned, you know, turned a blind eye to it because she loved him. Wasn't it more she, like that? She does. She, was she did like,
0: say I encouraged encouraged it. But yes. see, to
3: me, saying it, it, she encouraged it means that she didn't stop it because, you know, it was more of a passive, you know, like. I, I know. It, I know that sounds. I, in a more modern sense of it, I would think that you know, her not trying to stop him was encouraging him. Not saying, hey, go out and have fun. You know, go get bitten on the neck. And
0: I I kind of took it to mean she kind of found amusement in what he was doing and allowed him to do it because he was a spoiled little rich boy and he could get away with anything and she enjoyed that. She thought it was fun.
5: I I think she pretty much said as much in that monologue after she got vampirized.
3: Okay, okay. Maybe I I was missing the point.
1: Well, I think the context (laughs) helps too. I mean, this movie would have come out during one of the the surges in Freudian psychoanalysis. Mm. So the, the fact that the story is structured around a mother and son, similarly to how you can say, well, there's nothing particularly gross going on between, you know, Norman Bates and his mother, um considering the the era also considering the psychology also yeah, 1960, 1960 considering the structure, considering the time, considering the thought that was going on in these particular artistic circles, it would kind of be a hard to avoid comparison to be made even if nothing in the story is explicitly pointing to it and to be to be clear, I don't think there was anything nasty going on between the mother and son, but I think the son is structured as a classic mama's boy in this particular story. In that he was such a he's such a brat and he's so sort of demanding and as such a, a I don't want to say power over women, but a self assured feeling right to them. So, oh, an
5: insult.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, trying to get around a few terms. Yeah, you
5: you know you know I think you may have actually I stumbled onto something it Apple there because I I I don't think any to the best of my knowledge nobody has ever uh, attempted to sort of document uh, any influence uh, between Psycho, which was of course the big uh, horror hit in 1960 mm-hmm. stateside, uh and this, which was a pretty big hit for Hammer uh, on, on the British side, but as well as in the United States and which was released through Universal, the same studio that released Psycho. So that's, I think, possibly an interesting, you know, Here thing that the thing that nobody's uh, r- really, uh, you know, gone into before, the idea of 1960 as the year of the mama's boy. Oh. Uh,
3: See, now I'm, like, starting to have, like, some sort of, like, worry. You know, I let my kid play video games all day, and he actually called me to tell me that I didn't make him a juice for his dinner tonight. <laughs> What have I done?
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I, I think it's, it's more telling simply that this was a story of the Baroness and her son, not the Baron and his son. Mm-hmm. And that being sort of a critical fulcrum about which the film moves.
5: There's a lot of psychology in a lot of the Hammer movies, but it has a tendency to be, be, a, tendency to be a little, you know, psych 101. Oh, very much so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Freudian theory, you know, as you suggested, was you know, big in quote unquote the the psychological aspect of uh, both the uh, you know more supernatural horror as well as uh, as uh, psychological horror or thrillers or that sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. There is something in the film that confused me, and hopefully one of you can help me out with this. Didn't Marianne see the dead body of the Baroness, and didn't? Didn't Greta show her and say yes, she's dead? And Marianne was like, "Oh no," and then she just forgot about it.
5: As far as I can tell, I she think she didn't that... see
3: her alive again, did she?
5: No, no. Remember, it's like you don't have to worry; she's dead. Um, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right. That is a little bit of a point that uh, that uh, gets glossed over. <laughs> uh, the idea that she somehow manages to remain a knife. Uh, uh, disp- despite all of the crap that she's seen before, uh, to the point where you know, basically, she has to be told in you know three times in three different ways. Oh yeah, the Baron's vampire. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's Even like, then, she still was kind of like, I'm she, gonna buy, marry
3: this guy. <laughs> she has a lot
5: more. She has a lot more agency than any of the women in the uh, in the previous movie. Uh, at the same time, she's a little dense. Yeah. She
1: doesn't. She doesn't do a lot with her agency. <laughs> yeah, she
5: she but, she's she's a bit dense. They're uh, making fun uh,
3: of the French. <laughs> they may
1: have been. Yeah.
3: I Maybe mean, I, I mean it. It's it's England. I Sexy
5: but like dense. The French. Yeah, uh, yeah but, the French. <laughs> uh,
3: You
1: you know uh, I work that, for a French company, right? Well,
5: I, I was gonna say that that they're is they're not listening. That is pretty. I'll, say whatever I mean you want. want. I was gonna say that is pretty much how the British. Uh, as far as I know, have always and probably will always view the French, uh, just in general. Sexy but dense. That's, that's you know, kind of the, the character of their relationship. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: And it, Italians are belligerent and sexy, so.
5: <laughs> I think that's a more American view, but uh, oh, in maybe. any case...
6: <laughs>
0: Um, how did everybody feel about the uh, the end sequence uh, using the windmill as a giant cross? I thought it was, I was like
3: really oh, cool. It yeah. was cool, but I was also like, hurry up and stab the guy with a wooden stake <laughs> yeah. because that thing's going to burn up.
6: <laughs> and <laughs> I, also I also wondered what happened
3: to the two brides. I mean, we didn't see them burn up. I mean, this is all the end stuff. It sounds like Amelia has something to say. Is that right? Oh, no, no. She doesn't. Sorry. Well, what what did you think of the movie
0: Amelia? Because we've talked about it a little bit, and uh, I'd like to know some of uh, what your opinion is.
2: Well, I never thought any of i I always wondered what happened to the bridesmaids, or if they actually just got burned up in the windmill, or if they escaped.
6: Hmm.
2: And I've and uh, at first, when the. Uh, uh, Baron was dying because of the cross, I couldn't tell if he was, like, looking at something or praying, because he was like, and then I'm like, and I'm like, wait, what is he doing, and I'm like, oh, he's dying, (laughs) and then I, and then I also wonder, wondered since when you see the cross, don't they, like, burn, because, like, they see the cross, hiss.
5: Yeah. I, don't th- I don't think they had the budget uh, for, uh, for the human pyrotechnic in that case.
4: <laughs> <laughs> also, do they have <laughs> to see so. the cross, or can it just be in They there? have to
1: see it. That, that seems to be, like, a key aspect of it.
0: Like, there has to be intent behind yeah. the actual cross itself, otherwise everything would make them freak out.
5: Yeah, no. Yeah. I, there's there's the joke that went around. It's like you gotta wonder about uh, about uh, you know in 33 A.D. where all of the vampires all over the world started wondering why uh, lowercase T's hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my my Google window has crosses
4: between all the different video windows. Yeah, yeah. There's exactly a, for that.
1: There was yeah. in in fiction. There was a, a theory for a while there that, and obviously an entirely fractionalized theory that. um, there was something about the vampirism parasite that caused um, the diffraction of vertical crossed with horizontal lines to cause them, like, cognitive dissonance, and that's why crosses always hurt. <laughs> that's kind was... of
5: awesome, actually. That yeah. is it's excellent. awesome.
1: It's also the most labored explanation I've ever heard for oh, why abso- crosses abso- hurt vampires. absolutely
5: that, too. But, uh, I mean, it's reaching, but it's, uh, but, but it's a noble kind of reaching. Yeah.
3: Okay, so I'm... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Uh, on the other end of the scale, we have the fearless vampire killers with Oi, they have you got the wrong vampire." <laughs>
5: <laughs> Leaning back to the idea that it's based either on the uh, the belief of uh, the vampire or the belief of the wielder of the holy weapon, mm. uh, lending itself to the uh, uh, to the idea of you know whatever it is, so long as you can uh, as you believe in it deeply enough, it's able to repel. Uh, you know, the the children of Cain. So imagine Gordon Gecko with the late edition of the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> <laughs> Which
3: actually, that, I'm sorry, that it, it's reminding me of like, uh, see, okay, I do like vampire movies and vampire <laughs> books and I was reading Laurel K. Hamilton and to get around the whole thing, she didn't really like the image of uh, the cross because uh, even as, uh, excuse me, her character um whose name escapes me but but basically the the main character she did not like the image of the cross because it reminded her of torture and death so she actually had a a uh, necklace that was a lamb hmm. you know the lamb of god and that would repel the dead because it was you know what she believed in so yeah. i assume it's the belief of the I don't know. Whatever. It, we're all yeah, talking about fictional it, it, stuff anyway. I, I was, well, about they,
1: to... there, was a, uh, there was a series of Doctor Who episodes dealing with vampires, which of course turned out to be something completely different. This is in classic Who era, where the vampires were repelled by crosses, or in the case of a couple of stranded uh, Russian nationals, a little pin of the Red Star.
5: State, of decay. Uh, yeah. no, oh, state oh, of decay. No, no, check that. Uh, not State of Decay. Uh, the Curse of Fenric.
1: Yeah, oh, was it? Sylvester McCoy. Maybe. I only remember the scene, I don't even remember which Doctor it was.
5: Uh, uh. but yeah, Curse I think, of Fenric I, was I, vampires. The Curse of Fenric <laughs> was vampires, still was State of Decay, but State of Decay I don't think had crosses it. Hmm. Uh, that, that was Fourth Doctor, but uh, Curse of Fenric was uh, Seventh Doctor, and I still hold that as one of the best vampire movies of the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, no, like I say, I mean, of course, the, uh, the, uh, the most uh, that I think anything has leaned into the idea of sort of the belief of the wielder and the object uh, is rather wonderfully the, uh, the 1984 version of Fright Night, uh, especially at the point where that particular worm turns at the climax of the movie. Uh, but uh, one of the more interesting examinations of it, I think I encountered, was the original novel of The Keep, where, of course, the protagonist uh, is, uh, is a Jewish scholar, but, uh, the, the, the sort of vampire figure is repelled by crosses. You know, spoiler alert, it turns out he's faking in that case. Um, <laughs> he is, he is attempting to cause exactly the crisis of faith that he causes in The Jewish Scholar. Uh,
0: <laughs>
5: no, the movie, all... the movie, of course, went in a very different direction, but, um, all
0: this talk of crosses and vampires makes me want to see a movie about a neurotic vampire who just sees crosses everywhere.
3: Ah. <laughs> that's, a fun,
5: that's a fun idea. <laughs> that is a good idea. Don't steal it.
3: Uh,
5: Inter- no, co- collaborate. No, I'm, say, I'm saying to our, uh, oh, no. to our audience,
0: don't steal oh, my yeah, idea Don't steal audience. it because, because the idea Nate out. and Jenna okay. are
3: going to do this already. Hopefully Shane will collaborate. It'll be the best. <laughs>
0: Well, uh we're about out of time. Uh does anybody have any final thoughts on uh Brides of Dracula? That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I will say again sort of as as I discover more of Hammer horror, I have to say that the it's like a refinement of the same material again. If you ignore the plot, it's it's more of those beautiful set dressings and excellent cinematography and great costuming. But it does have the side effect that I'm not entirely certain I could tell you which film each of the scenes belonged in.
4: <laughs> yeah, I definitely. I mean, I even earlier in the podcast got the scenes. I couldn't tell. I couldn't remember which scene was from which movie. So.
5: Yeah, no. I, uh, uh, I my own take on this actually goes back to college. Uh, I I once wrote a paper for uh, for an uh, LGBTQ cinema uh, class, uh, essentially suggesting that the climax of Hammers' uh, The Vampire Lovers from 1970 was not actually regressive or retrogressive for LGBT concerns precisely because everybody knew Carmilla was going to come back in the sequel. (laughs) 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 Um, No, it's... uh, Somebody, uh, I guess it was Tim Lucas in Video Watchdog, once said about uh, the uh, director, Jess Franco, who, of course, I mentioned earlier... And who, who's, as I say, his own interesting, you know, kettle of worms. Uh, <laughs> but but it kind of goes for Hammer movies to some extent as well. You you kind of can't see one of them until you've seen all of them.
1: I can I can go along with that because I haven't seen all of them yet. And I'm...
3: Same. I'm thinking that that might be part of my problem. Is <clears throat> I'm so you know uh behind on my education
1: well it definitely hammer feels film. like we've seen part of a series or part of one gigantic movie that it all kind of feels like it fits together i'm i'm remembering a few other hammer horror films i've seen and they they all kind of slot into different positions variations or refinements of what we've seen here
3: we've like, oh, seen like, christopher like the first lee's MCU. vampire like that <laughs> those scenes we've seen them I, I, Everywhere, hundreds of times. And we've seen Grandma Tarkin in all sorts of things, too, as well. Peter Cushing. I, I, am, <laughs> I am
5: seriously going to get you guys at some point. At the very least, and if nothing else, Hammer, you are going to see Quatermass in the pit. You are going to see uh, the Gorgon. And you are going to see Curse of the Werewolf. And Vampire Circus. And there Captain Corona's Vampire Hunter.
6: I'm and, here for it. And, and uh, how long have we dated? And I have to. <laughs> yeah. And then
5: probably the vampire lovers, maybe lust for a vampire. Although you kind of sort of don't really need that one. And probably twins of evil, which was the best <laughs> of that series. But uh, anyway.
0: All right. Well, I think that's gonna about do it for us here on What's on the Pile. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at What's on the Pile, or you can visit our website, Whatsonthepile.com. Thanks for hanging out.
5: Turns out they're more closely related to uh, cacti than, uh, the,
0: you
4: know, the Earth primates, but... Ah! Deep so in the forgotten corners of our galaxy, a mighty space hulk blazes through the stars. Prime. Its crew, a motley gang of misfits who are just out for a good time. Yes.
0: He's sparking for
4: buck's sake. Yes. Okay. They have harnessed the mysterious fuel called Nostalgia. And we're up, alright. Ah! By remembering the cartoons of their youth. Now standing in their way, the evil Emperor Zorback, Stand down and to be back. Who just wants to shut their screw down and conquer every planet along the way? <laughs> Thankfully, their ship holds a weapon with enough firepower to restore the balance. Yes,
0: you neglected the automated space cannon.
4: They are. The bastards of the universe.
3: I think you know damn well who
1: we are.
4: Thursdays at 8. Let's cast this pod.
6: I don't Only on Twitch.